Welcome to Let's Talk About Leadership, Service, and Sisterhood, a podcast sponsored by California Rainbow, a nonprofit service organization for girls ages 8 to 20. These young leaders learn the importance of serving others and gain lifelong sisters. Learn more at gocarainbow.org. Welcome back to Let's Talk About Leadership, Service, and Sisterhood podcast, a California IRG production. We are your hosts, Ashley and Maddie, members of the state PR team. Our facilitator is Colleen Weaver. Today, we're talking about managing your education, and our special guests are Mrs. Demi Kimmick, an educational specialist who teaches 6th, 7th, and 8th grade math. She holds a master's in special education. And Miss Maria Washington, a licensed marriage and family therapist and a school counselor who holds a dual master's in counseling and forensic psychology. Let's get to it. Our first question is, how can I set up the best learning environment for home and school? Mrs. Kimmick? So it's very important to have a quiet space for you to do your work. It could be in your bedroom, it could be at the kitchen table. Um, Everybody learns differently and for example, I have to be in a room where there's noise. I can't just sit and do work in a quiet environment. So I need, I need that, um, the noisy atmosphere. Um, some kids just, you know, need the quiet environment and, um, it's important to, to have a dedicated workspace. Yeah, a dedicated workspace is extremely important. It's definitely something that I recommend to a lot of the students that I work with. And if we do the same activities in the same space long enough, our brains will be able to associate that kind of work with that space. So it'll help us with our concentration and our ability to get the kind of work done we want to get done. So if you have like a special homework spot or a special study spot where you consistently feel comfortable and that's where you do that kind of work, um, designate it for that kind of work and it will help you with your focus and attention as you complete your assignments. What is the difference between a successful A student and a non-successful one? Miss Maria? So there are many ways a student can have success and not all success is centered around grades. Um, I was never a straight A student and I felt that I was a very successful one. So I think we kind of need to redefine what a successful student is um, and kind of see like what are the qualities of a student who is successful in the various aspects of their education. Um, Like they may not always get straight A's, but maybe they're a student whose goal is to consistently improve every time they take a test. Um, And so therefore a successful student can look very different to different people. So um, I think just being a person who is uh, willing to low and to grow and to learn and to better themselves is the definition of a successful student. And that is definitely uh, the successful students that, that that's how I measure success with the students that I work with. Definitely. Want to add anything? You hit it on the nose, Miss Maria. <laughs> so our next question is, what are some good study tips for tests or just for learning in general? So um, making flashcards helps a lot, especially if you're having to um, uh, prepare for a vocabulary test. Um, looking at your notes, reading them, and then typing them on the computer because the more you see something and read it and hear it, the um, more it's going to transfer to your long-term memory. Um, I forgot the rest of the question. Um, Tips on test taking and learning. Okay. Um, Sometimes just, you know, working out problems and um, I, I hate the word tests because that sends someone's anxiety through the roof. So in my classes, I call them show what you know, and it's not necessarily looking for the right answer. It's more if they know the process and, um, you know, showing knowledge isn't necessarily by doing a paper pencil test. I can see if a student really knows what they're doing just in conversation. And um, 
you know, I, I can have a student to walk me through solving the problem. And with a few, um, what do you call them? Prompting words, like what do you do next? What do you have to get by itself? The student can solve a one or two step equation perfectly fine. Definitely, um, when you are faced with having to study for um, a test or you're just kind of trying to learn the material that you have to go over in class, I definitely set goals, um, take breaks during your study things and reward yourself for reaching your milestones in your study schedule. So, you know, if you um, have a really large test on Friday, um, plan out your week of how much material you're going to go over and carve out time throughout the week and um, reward yourself for reaching your milestone of, you know, making it through a chapter or making it to a certain amount of time. I like to use M&Ms or Skittles or um, my reward is like uh, scrolling on Instagram for five minutes with a timer. So those things are really helpful to kind of um, break down really big things that you may have to study. and again don't try to cram everything at the end because you may memorize what you need to get a grade but you're not really learning it for and your brain's not filing away the information for your long-term memory to actually have known to, to have learned the information so for you ladies uh what are some of the things that you do that have been helpful when you've studied for large tests or had a really big assignment that you had to to complete honestly studying isn't like a huge like thing for me like I think studying and I think I don't want to do that I want to go sleep so honestly the thing I do and I hate doing it but I just have to pay so much attention in class and I know that sounds like weird but like last year Papa's Pizzeria was my bestie like I would play all the cool math games any game that was accessible on the Chromebooks that we have, it was being played on my account. So the thing for me is just I need to tell myself, like, hey, you're here a couple hours. Don't go on Papa's Pizzeria right now. Like, go and look at your work. Because I find that when I actually don't have access to that, I'm more willing to do my work and I memorize it better. So like in math class, really struggling because I played a game when I was supposed to be doing an Ed puzzle and then actually doing the Ed puzzle and understanding it and getting through that entire unit because, whoa, shocker, the Ed puzzle is important. And then if I have a test that I need to study for, um, one thing I'm really into is music. I love music anywhere. It's music. I have to have my earbuds at all times. So. When I'm studying, I'll take like a big chunk of work and I'll finish it and then I'll go like reward myself by listening to a song. And the songs I like right now are like Queen. So a lot of the songs that Queen makes are like five minutes long. Mm -hmm. So I can go and listen to one song and it can be anywhere from like three to five minutes and then I'll get back to work. And once I complete like another class's homework or studying for that, I can go listen to another song. So my motivation is kind of like, you get to listen to awesome music if you do this. So that's really a study tip for me. And then it makes me more motivated to get it done and do it well. Yeah, that's that's definitely rewarding yourself for the hard work that you've done. Um, one last tip that I have that um, I definitely recommend to my students who are trying to find more effective ways to study, and that is to find a study buddy and you can, you can um, study with them in person or even on Zoom, but having somebody there really helps with the accountability factor of studying. And then I encourage them to like every 20 or 30 minutes pause and explain to each other what it is that they've learned or what it is that they've been reviewing so that they can practice not only trying to memorize it or understand it, but they can practice putting it in their own words and explaining it to somebody else as well. And you listening to music, Ashley, like the um, artists that you said, take what you're studying and see if you can convert it to um, the melody or um, like Bohemian Rhapsody. Could you convert or could you take, I, I don't know what you're studying, but could you take maybe something that you're trying to learn in history and 
take the words and use the um, Bohemian Rhapsody lyrics or just the yeah the... yeah when um I remember when I was in high school and I was trying to study for my like AP biology test and I could not remember the parts of the DNA thing I was really into like I was in a Motown um, time in my life where I listened to just like a bunch of Motown and so the song my girl I like had the names of the different strands of DNA and I like put it into the into this melody of my girl and to this day whenever I hear that song I think about DNA synthesis so <laughs> it's just like the name so it's like adenine guanine thymine talking about side of scene DNA synthesis yeah I still everyone's eyes think of it I did that for a math test I had there was one song I can't remember what it was now thank goodness but those were a lot of great tips, and I'm definitely going to put them to use. What are some challenges students run into in learning, and how can we navigate them? Well, one of the things that my students are challenged with is how fast teachers go through lessons. And um, they give up because they don't know how to speak up and say, hey, can you repeat that for me or can you slow down and we just assume that by saying something once all students have it and um, I do a lot of reading of the tests that I give my kids and I am constantly repeating things three four five times um, and it some kids you know pick up and are able to get something done right away and others just need that that wait time and and time to process what they're hearing yeah i kind of was thinking about like accessibility so not every school has the resources um at their school site to help with what every student may need um so you know that is something that i thought is a challenge that uh, some students can often face is there's just um, not the right resources for what they need at the school they're at, which is okay, right? Not every school is made to um, fit every student into like a cookie cutter that they're supposed to be one way. Um, another challenge that I was thinking about is um, needing more support and guidance around time management and organization skills, um, just because that's something that is a, a skill that is I'm constantly working with students at in the work that I do with them of, you know, let's look at how much time you're spending on this versus this and prioritizing, prioritizing your tasks and um, giving them those tools to be able to organize their thoughts and organize what they have to do. Because um, if you're not able to organize and think what is the next thing I have to do to complete the assignments I must complete, you're just gonna stare like a deer in the headlights and then you're not gonna do anything. And then you're gonna be paralyzed because you're not quite sure how to do that next step. So giving them the, the opportunity to practice and, and grow in their time management and organizational skills is, is um, something that's really helped that would help alleviate some of those challenges that I think they face. I think that was great. That was a good way of putting it, really. So the next question we have are, what are ways to navigate school changes? For example, if someone switches schools. Do you want me? I can go first with this one. Um, let's see. So um, my thing that I always um, recommend to students is when you go to a new school, you go to a new place, you find trusted adults. There are certain adults at the school there. Well, every single adult in your school is there to help you students and to help keep them safe and make sure they're comfortable. And yes, they're there to learn, but they're also there to be a safe space for them to be able to grow and learn. So find the trusted adults. Um, if there is a person like me on your campus, like the school counselor, we are an awesome person to talk to. And I think I have a lot of fun when I talk with the students and get to do fun activities. So. 
um, looking for those adults whose job it is to make sure that you have a comfortable transition into the school, whether you're switching mid-year or you're going from high school into middle school, um, there are resources on your campus to help you transition. Um, and also like, don't be afraid to just like dive into the school community. The, the more you get involved with clubs or organizations or um, whatever things that are at your school for you to get involved with as a student, the more you're gonna be a part of the community, the more you're gonna make friends and the more you're going to feel like comfortable and safe. Well, and it's all about building relationships too. Um, like Ms. like Maria said, you know, find that adult that you feel comfortable talking to. Um, you know, being compassionate and show empathy, showing empathy, because I couldn't imagine moving to a different school when I was in high school. You know, you've established your friend group, and and all of a sudden you're leaving one place and going to some place where you know absolutely nobody and that can be hard and um you know you just you do the best that you can and um find find people who who you can trust and feel comfortable talking to don't and, be afraid, um, don't be afraid to go up to a group at lunchtime or break and say Hey, what are you guys having? Can I hang out with you? <coughs> and you'll find out real fast if they're cool to, you know, that you have um, things that are, that you have in common and you'll find out if it's not the right fit and you just move on. Yeah, and when you find that trusted adult, like be open and honest with them about what you're experiencing and what you're feeling because you find this trusted adult and they're super cool, but then you don't talk about anything that's going on or what you need help with or where you might need guidance, they're, you're kind of, you know, wasting an opportunity to have a really awesome mentor. So, you know, let them know if you are struggling because you're new or you're struggling because you haven't really found a group of friends that you kind of click with. And because um, that might be something that triggers them to maybe refer you to um, a group or for all you know there's like someone like me who's a school counselor at the beginning of the school year I run a group that meets for about four weeks with the new students that are transferred to the school and we do a lot of community building activities getting to know each other and um, there may be something like that that you could start or that you could be the spark that makes happen because you've opened up to that trusted adult and they now know how they can help you. Thank you. How can I make it easier to pay attention in a classroom? Or what do I do when I'm tired, feeling bored, etc.? So don't be afraid to ask for a break. We all need brain breaks every once in a while. Sometimes just getting up and stretching. Um, Jolly Ranchers are my friend. And that's all my students want, especially um, my students who have a hard time concentrating. We're a gum-free school, so um, instead of them sticking the, the the plastic ring from the water bottle in their mouth and chewing on that, I'll throw them a Jolly Rancher because, you know, you're doing something when you're sucking on the Jolly Rancher. It helps you um, to force your attention elsewhere. Yeah. Sit on a wobble cushion. Yes, definitely do not be afraid to ask for a break. Um, I have certain clients that I meet with where our entire session every two days that I'm on campus is I go pick them up from their first grade classroom, we walk around the playground, we do some mindfulness activities, we um, do some deep breathing exercises outside and I literally bring them back to class 10 minutes later and that is our entire counseling session because that is what they need in order to be successful. And you know, we do that like right in the middle of the day so they can be prepared for the rest of the day they have of learning. And so there are, and just because that's what a first grader needs, a 10th grader or an 11th grader or a seventh grader, they need brain breaks also. And sometimes um, us adults forget that you teenagers are also kids and that you need that time to decompress and to like center yourselves and calm. 
So any kind of calming techniques, um, I love drawing a star on my hand is a very a big, a good calming technique that helps me if I'm unable to focus during a class or doing a little doodle, something that I can do that kind of recenters me so that I can be prepared to focus and pay attention uh, after my brain has had a break from being attentive for so long. There are a lot of different fidgets you can use. Like I have Velcro underneath my tables, both the the soft kind and the the knobby both, you know, where it sticks. Both ends. Both, both ends, ends of Velcro. And yes. all you yes. have to do is mess with the Velcro or mm-hmm. um may they have these calming strips now. I wanna get some where it, it like has a message and it says, Okay, take a deep breath exhale um you know stretch your arms or whatever and there's different textures on the calming strip and that helps to bring you ground you and and help you focus yeah one of my favorite i've definitely brought it around call mrs weaver knows that it's my my fidget slug that's like the rainbow fidget slug and i call him sammy the slug and i have students where like they're <laughs> like as soon as they come into my office they're like i need sammy the slug and then we're sitting there talking and they're playing with it and that kind of resets them so if like your mind is wandering you're unable to focus it's your body telling you that you need to recenter refocus and reset don't fight it do what you need to do to take care of yourself and your mind and if it's a uh if it's a if it's a fidget slug named sammy the slug then that's what it is i wish you i had him to, but he's you almost in my have office. to find what works for you because everything just comes at you girls a mile a minute and your brain is like a car speeding down the highway going 100 100 miles an hour and you don't know how to stop and put the brakes on. So by having a fidget or listening to music or chewing gum, that helps you to pay attention to what you need to because your mind is um, being preoccupied by the chewing of the gum or mm-hmm. having or, a sandy slug. Yeah, or just going back into nature and just kind of listening to everything around you, whether it's city noise or birds in a tree can recenter. That was great. I love the part about having like the Jolly Ranchers. I have mints in my backpack for that reason. So that's a really great one. The next question is, what are some things I can do if I'm not doing so well in a class? Okay. Well, it's definitely important to advocate for yourself. We all make mistakes, we're all human, and um, that's why God put erasers on pencils, because they expect us to make mistakes. Um, Don't be afraid if you get a quiz back and it has a poor grade on it, go to your teacher and say, hey, you know what, I was having a really bad day. Um, Is it okay if I come and retake this test with you? Or, you know, I know my grade is this, but if I go back and find the correct answers, can you give me credit, like half credit, for the um, problems that I redid? Um, You know, teachers, we don't become, we don't go into the education field because we enjoy seeing kids fail. We want you guys to be successful. And there's nothing more rewarding than seeing a student um, overcome their struggles and experience success. It, it makes the world a difference. Yes, definitely, definitely talk to your teacher and talk to your parents um, as well. And I know that at various ages in, my, in the teenage years, it's like, ooh, talk to my parents. But no, talk to your parents, let them know what is going on let them know where you are having difficulties so that your teachers and your parents can work together to determine what they need to do to make sure that you succeed in your education because um, that's they're there to help you when you need help. So advocating for yourself can be asking for help, 
advocating for yourself doesn't always mean that you solve the problem on your own. It's also knowing when you might need extra help to solve the problem so that they can get you what you need in order to be successful. The next question is, what do I do if a class feels like it's too easy for me? Mrs. Kimmick, do you want to start this one off? Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, you can go to the teacher and ask them for more challenging problems. Um, if uh, another thing you could do, um, if you don't want to take it to the next level, you could ask the teacher if you could like be a peer tutor and help other students who might be struggling. Um, that's kind of, I don't see a lot of that with the students I work with because um, a lot of students who have an IEP, it's because they struggle, whether it be with reading or um, visual or auditory processing and um, things are, are difficult for them. Um, and I don't know, Maria, do you have more suggestions? Yeah, sure. Um, definitely. Well, I always say talk with your parents, right? As my, my role as a therapist and school counselor, I'm always encouraging students of all ages that I work with to have that open communication with their parents so that parent, their, their parent understands what is going on in their life or the trusted adults that they have in their life to be open with them and what's going on. Um, if a subject is easy for you, I say um, take that blessing and focus on your other subjects that may be difficult that semester. So like maybe this semester of biology is a breeze. You don't need to, you know, sing a song to a, sing to a Motown song to memorize all the things you need to memorize. Awesome. You just freed up some time and biology became a lower priority when you are doing your work and making your schedule for study. You can now spend your energy and focus on that math class that's been giving you in some, some struggles. So you have extra time for some teacher intervention or extra tutoring time because you don't have to focus on the biology class so much. And that's gonna fluctuate and change as you go through education in middle school, high school, college. There's gonna be some semesters or some years where certain classes are a breeze and then all of a sudden you get to that next level and you're like, I am so glad that that first level was a breeze because this level is very challenging. So um, use it to your advantage to, you know, get ahead and um, grow in other areas that you may not have had the time to do, to do if you didn't have to, if it wasn't so easy for you. If the subject that's easy for you wasn't there. That might and be hard to edit. Celebrate, sorry. always celebrate your success. Yes. It's okay for things to be easy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes That's a good way of putting it. Me. <laughs> I missed that. I liked that last part. This is Kimmick. Repeat what you just said. Oh, sometimes it's okay for things to be easy because sometimes that might just be the brain break that you need. Yes. That's a good way of putting it. I like that. I like the term brain break. I've never heard it before. That's a good one. Oh, yes. We use oh, brain breaks a lot. That's brain a good breaks. term. I love it. Your brain okay. needs a break. It's it's literally doing stuff 24-7 even when we're asleep. So anything we can do to reset, replenish, refocus, just re-anything our brain, do it. You'll thank yourself in the years to come. Excellent. The next question we have is, what should I do if I have a subject in school that I don't really like? Suck it up. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's better advice than that. <laughs> there's so many times that I tell my kids, suck it up, buttercup. Life's not going to be easy. Um, something that I did, if there's a subject that I didn't particularly like, is I try to find something about it that is interesting. Even if it's the most obscure thing, just find one thing that you can look forward to that's interesting. I'll give an example, and I, I use this as an example with the clients and the students that I work with, is I was not a fan of geometry when I was a freshman in high school. 
it was a language of math that my brain just did not want to learn. So a trusted adult gave me the advice of finding something interesting or that you like about geometry. It doesn't have to do with math whatsoever, just something that is interesting to you. So I decided to pick a favorite shape and I chose an isosceles trapezoid as my favorite shape. And I still think an isosceles trapezoid is pretty cool because it's like the short top and then like the, the two sides that are the same and then the bottom. So it's like a short and then the sides are angled and the longer bottom. And I still, to this day, that's my favorite shape. Um, and so anytime there was a proof that had to be done or an angle that had to be found and it was in a trapezoid, I was like, that's my shape. That's mine. That's my problem. And even if I got every other problem wrong, I always got that problem right. And I didn't, even if I didn't like it. So find something, even if it's super obscure, that is interesting or that you can kind of claim as your own and like rep that as like a thing that you like, even if it's in a, in a subject that you don't like. Because to this day, I do not like geometry, but I still like isosceles trapezoids. See, and I can't stand science. I it's weird and yet for my degree um for my bachelor's degree i had to take all these science classes and it ended up paying off because i have a supplemental credential to teach science same thing with math i liked math up until my ninth grade year when i failed ninth grade algebra and had to take it over again and then from that point on i hated math and now i'm teaching it and I still I share my failures with the kids because it shows them that we're human. Yes, I'm going to chime You're in on human. this. I'm going to chime in on this one because uh, I'm very much did not like math in high school or in college, and it wasn't until I started studying opticianry and making eyeglasses that I understood an algebraic equation because your eyeglass prescription is an algebraic equation. So I found something that I liked about it, and it it just suddenly sparked an idea and I was able to do it. So I like Miss Maria's uh, I suggestion have a there. In the classroom. I have a poster in my classroom that lists just about every single thing that you do in math and what careers you will use, like solving a proof or um, using an algebraic equation. And, and it's pretty interesting. And the kids are constantly going up there. What job can I have where I don't need any math? <laughs> it's a it's DJ. <laughs> you have, still have to do your accounting, so math. Um, another thing, I'm very big on rewarding yourself. I mean, with the, the work that I do with my students and clients is finding unique ways to reward yourself. Um, and so... Um, something that I definitely suggest for students is that, you know, if there's a way for you to do something fun after you've gone to a class that you don't necessarily like, um, then do that. So you can be looking forward to the reward of, you know, doing your job of being in that class because it's your job or your responsibility that you must fulfill to be in that class. Whether you are in middle school, high school, elementary school, or college, you make an agreement to be in the classes that you are in for that semester. So to, in order to fulfill, fulfill your agreement, your end of the agreement um, to be in that class, then do something fun afterward. When I was in undergrad at UC Santa Cruz, there was a philosophy class that I did not like, and I don't, it was it's philosophy so I didn't really like it so what I would always do is it was over in the part of UC Santa Cruz in the field where they have cows so after every philosophy class I would literally just go chill with the cows and I would like sit by the fence and sometimes feed them grass and like read or do work and I would like that was my reward was going to chill with my favorite animal out by where my class was that I just had to get through <laughs> Too many people um, see education or even classes that you're competing against your classmates. One of the things we have to remember is everybody's brain develops differently. And your it's not that you don't know how to do something. You may not know how to do something yet, 
because your brain's not ready to let you take the information in. And trust me, um, there, there will come a day when the light bulb goes off and you'll realize, oh my gosh, that's why you had to solve for X and Y because mm -hmm. that's the point of intersection. I was 37 years old co-teaching in a classroom when the light bulb went off for me. Yeah, and seeing those light bulbs go off, you can really see it behind the eyes of the students. And that is one of the things that keeps me in education is seeing those awesome stories of growth and success of when the light bulb moment happens right in front of you. Yep. Or the kids come back and say, Mrs. Kemet, do you remember me? You, you were my sixth grade teacher and you know, maybe I remember their names, maybe I don't, but you know, it's great to reconnect with them and find out what you guys are doing with your lives and celebrating the success with you. The one thing I really appreciate was how Mrs. Kimmick said that she shared her experience in ninth grade math because a science teacher I had was being a substitute for my math class and I just couldn't understand anything. I was struggling. I was like, sir, if I just drop out, what would happen? And then he told me how he failed two years of math in high school. And now he is one of the best teachers in our entire school. Everyone loves him. Like he drives a Tesla to school every day. He does, he makes good money and everything. How that failure, that one mistake doesn't define him. And that was something that I really just appreciated hearing and it made the memory kind of come back. And I was like, oh, that was nice. It's just nice to hear that those experiences aren't something that we go through alone when we're not doing so well in something. Absolutely. You're never alone going through any experience that you go through. Um, there's a book that I usually recommend to parents and older students that I work with in education, and it's called The Gift of Failure. And it talks about how failing at something is a gift because it gives you the opportunity to go back and re like look back at what it was you did and problem solve and make different choices the next time around and grow from that experience and learn something new. So um, reading through that book and when I was, you know, it was recommended to me when I was in college and I recommend it to parents of students that I work with um, to help them work with their children about how taking those failures and turning them into teachable moments so that they can continue to grow and that it's definitely okay to fail as long as you take that and learn from it and grow from it as you move on. What are some advantages and disadvantages to different types of school systems like online, charter, private, etc.? Um, well, I think it just kind of, it, there are pros and cons to all different types of learning environments and it just depends on what it is that works best for your learning style. So, you know, the things that you would want to know about when choosing which type of learning environment you want to be a part of is, you know, size of the school, size of the classes, ratio of teachers to students, the resources that are available to the students that are in that learning environment. If you are someone who you know, needs a specific resource that a certain school does not have, then maybe that's not the best learning environment for you to be in. Um, and, you know, the activities that are available. If you are a student who really enjoys being in clubs and part of a community and in leadership roles, and the online school that you're in may not have those opportunities because everybody is spread out across the country, then that may not be the best you know, learning environment to help foster your like well-rounded education. So there are pros and cons and it just kind of comes down to what are the things that you need in your learning environment to be successful. And as long as you have those things, it doesn't really matter where you go, it'll be the best place for you to ha get your education. Agree. Is there anything specific that our current generation has to navigate in education having come through the COVID-19 pandemic? I mean, like the pandemic just in itself, like as an entire thing. <laughs> like oh, so I could not imagine going to school at any age with that going on, uh, doing school over Zoom and, you know, having all of the things that encompassed the pandemic 
be a part of that entire experience. I do not envy the generation that went through it whatsoever. Being an educator and a supporter um, of those people, of those students as they went through it, it it's definitely was it's something that was very unique for that generation. Well, and one of the things that I feel we as educators didn't really address is the fact that y'all missed literally a year and a half to two years worth of, of and I'm not going to say quality instruction because there are a lot of teachers that really um, worked hard to uh, do the best that they could to present the materials that they had given the resources that they had um, is acknowledging the fact that you lost anywhere from a year and a half to two years worth of instruction. Age-wise, you still matured, you still got older, you still chronologically, you know, if you're 13, you're a seventh grader, possibly an eighth grader. And if we shut down and you were a third grader, and when we opened back up, you were a fifth grader, we just automatically continued to teach the fifth grade curriculum. We never really acknowledged the fact that, hey, these kids missed the last half of their third grade year. They missed all of their fourth grade year and maybe half of their fifth grade year. So instead of putting the brakes on and saying timeout, yes, these students are fifth graders, but we need to fill them in on everything that they missed out on I think um, the education system did a lot of students a disservice because we are receiving so many more referrals for um, special education testing. And it's because you all are struggling, not you all personally, but um, you know, school is becoming more difficult because you lost that instruction. And on top of the academic instruction, there's the whole like social part of it where you were not in, you were not engage, engaging the students in person for a large period of time. And for and for different age groups, having that socialization factor is a very crucial part to their development. So in the work that I do, which is a lot of the social emotional work, there are a lot of gaps that are being filled from the time where age groups were not around their peers to kind of grow and mature and learn those um, social skills and some of those social emotional elements that would come naturally with just being with your peers in person that because that was taken away for a crucial during a crucial time in their development where we're kind of going back and finding where some of the gaps in that social development is as well as with the academic the academic side as well. What did you girls notice having experienced COVID? Yes, what grade were you in when we went to the remote world? Seventh. I was, I'm older than Ashley, I always forget this. I was halfway through my eighth grade year. Okay. And so I missed the start of high school just on Zoom. And I was a straight A student. I had amazing grades. And going online so suddenly really messed me up. It, I most likely would have gotten valedictorian. I'm not getting that honor now. But I still remind myself that I still did my best. It was a hard transition for me. and. That's all we can remember is that we did our best and we should be proud of the effort that we made. And I managed to get back on track. When we came back in person, it was hard for me at first, but I'm doing good. And at what point or what grade, or maybe if it hasn't yet, you can say that also, but at what grade did you think things went back to normal? Um, it definitely started my junior year I decided to try something new. I did this program where I was going to two schools and I had this one class where I had three teachers in the same classroom and they all taught different subjects but they kind of combined the curriculum 
and I started doing really well in that class. I had lots of free time. I was able to work in other classes, and it taught me that if I'm struggling with something, I can always connect it to real-world experience. You know, almost anything can relate to something real-world, and then that just makes that amount of work easier. And see, for me, it's still, it's still, huh? Edit that out. <laughs> and you see, for me, it still kind of feels like it hasn't gone back to normal because when COVID started, I was 12 and oh, yeah, pretty crazy. But I missed all of eighth grade and eighth grade is kind of when you figure out like what the heck is going on before you go into high school. I missed all of that. And then you get back and you get thrown into high school. And I think the biggest thing for me really was I developed interests during eighth and like ninth grade. And my school doesn't offer anything for those interests. So let's say someone wanted to do um, welding. There's no welding, there's no cooking, there's no theater, there's no anything at my school. There's nothing. So having, having no resources was tough. And although we are back and we don't have to wear like the masks anymore, you can still kind of tell that it's not the same as it used to be. Like, nothing at my school is the same. Our classes aren't the same. Teachers aren't the same. Students aren't the same. And just everything has kind of shifted since. So it's it's getting there, but it's to where there's still something that needs to change for it to go back how it was. And it may never get back to how it was, right? So it may grow into something completely different, even from what it is now. And that's okay. Because change is good. I don't want to have to experience it again. <laughs> I never had to learn so much so much technology in such a short period of time. Ooh wee. It was crazy. Thank you for that. How would you help students to gain a bit more self-confidence? I celebrate the successes. Constant praise, um, positive encouragement. Um, it's okay, you don't, you may have missed this problem, it means you don't know it yet, but it will come. The more practice you put in, you know, eventually the light bulb will go off. Yes, very, like, um positive affirmations are something that I incorporate in my everyday sessions with almost all of my students. We do a lot of work on positive affirmations, self-esteem, all of that good stuff that kind of lays the foundation for you to be able to tackle and accomplish anything. Um, so one of the activities that I do is I have on my door, um, I have a sign that says I am amazing because, and then it has all these different um, circles that say, I am loved, I am brave, I am valued, I am fearless, I am awesome, I am unique, I am powerful. And I ask the students to choose one every single session. And sometimes they choose the same one and others, sometimes they choose a different one, depending on what it is they need that day. And um, I encourage them to use positive affirmations in their daily lives as a coping skill, a calming technique, and a way to just give them an extra boost of morale. Um, we make positive affirmation flip books where they go through and they pick 10 to 15 positive affirmations. They write them on colored cards. They decorate them with stickers and designs and colors. And then I laminate them and put them on a key ring and they can use them as like a flip book to like remind themselves of how awesome they are or just to give them that boost of self-confidence before a test or after a very challenging assignment. And um, positive affirmation work is something that I do in my personal everyday life and that I love to share with the students that I work with so that it can become um, such, um, a, such a, a big part of their individual lives as well. Well, and a lot of the students too that um 
we work with, you know, their home lives may not be the best. And um, school could be the only place where they're getting the positives. Um, every single one of my students knows that I love them. And they may the sorry, they may be a complete knucklehead one day and just get on my last nerves. Each day is a new day and I don't hold grudges and I let the kids know, you know, so you messed up yesterday. No biggie. We all have days where we just shut down, break down, lose it. And, you know, I welcome them at the door. Today's a new day. You're going to have a fabulous day. And we celebrate successes and, and focus on the positives. Those were some great answers. Filming this episode has been so much fun, and I love having you both as guests. So, unfortunately, we are to our last question. And the question is, how can I best advocate for my needs in education? Ooh. Don't be afraid to speak up because we can't jump into your brains and know what you need. You guys know yourselves. And um, if you do better responding um, verbally versus writing something on paper, ask if you can use um, speech to text and speak your answer into the computer and send it to your teacher or um, Maybe you are very artistic and you're able to express um, history or your knowledge of history through a storyboard or um, a timeline or some drawing. Don't be afraid to think out of the box. Yes, definitely be creative in how it is you want to communicate what it is you need to your teachers and your parents, right? I'm always saying, talk to your parents, talk to your teachers, talk to your trusted adults. They are there to help you, guide you, help you grow. And um, something that I definitely encourage my students to do is, like I said, find unique ways to communicate. So I definitely can empathize with the fact that talking to adults is not always the funnest thing to do. Uh, when I was a student, it was the scariest thing and I did not want to at all, ever. But I was very good at writing down what I needed to convey. So I would write my teacher's notes of things that I needed or questions that I had, and I would give them notes that I wrote because I didn't want to verbally communicate to them because talking to them face-to-face -face was very, very scary. Um, today, I encourage students that, you know, if you have a question and it's you, you know, you've already been in that teacher's class and you aren't, you know, comfortable seeking them out at the end of the school day, send them an email with a question that you have. And, you know, they may not get back to you till the next day, but you did your part in advocating for your needs in the way that was the most um, effective and comfortable for you. So it doesn't always mean walking up to them and talking to them face to face, but it's finding unique ways that work for you to get your to get across what it is you need to let them know. I'm constantly grading papers and depending on the time of day that I'm grading, um, I have forgotten to record someone's grade or put the grade at the wrong person. And one of the things I tell my kids is that I'm human. I make mistakes. If you think I made a mistake on your grade or didn't give you credit for something, please come see me because Lord knows I make mistakes. And that's how we learn. Because we're all human. Yep. Absolutely. Ladies, this has been fantastic. I think you've given the girls a lot of really good information. And girls, I think you had a lot of good input as well. So we look forward to seeing you all on our next episode of Let's Talk About Leadership, Service, and Sisterhood. See you next time.